Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. This is episode 135 of the show, and today we've got Oyama Garrison joining us. And Oyama is the CEO over at A Kid Again. He's got a really inspiring story of how he got to where he is today, and you can really tell the passion in his voice and his conviction for what he does. I definitely think you guys are going to enjoy this episode, and we hope you learn a lot. Before we get to that, I want to take a quick moment, as usual, to thank all the incredible sponsors and supporters here at Conquering Columbus. So I'm going to kick it over to Josh to tell you a little more about our first sponsor, FMX. FMX is a cloud-based facilities maintenance and management software founded and headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio. There's a lot of competitors in this space, but FMX has made a name for itself, become the fastest-growing facilities maintenance and management software on the market on behalf of its extreme ease of use and tailored-fit approach to its clients. They serve industries ranging from education to property management, manufacturing, fast casual, and more. If you want to check out more, you can go to gofmx.com. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit helping connect entrepreneurs to everything they need, including investors, mentors, capital, and talent through business pitch events, workshops, and classes throughout the state, And you can get more information on the web at sundownrundown.org. And our next sponsor is Share. For the rides that you take the most, ride with Share. Share is a new transportation company now driving Columbus. Schedule your ride and Share picks you up at your door with professional drivers and a growing fleet of connected vehicles. Share is now hiring with entry-level management positions available. You can learn more about careers with Share at drivewithshare.com. Finally, if you've ever wondered what it takes to start your own podcast, we're here to help. We're putting together a podcast startup package with our recommendations and some of the key lessons we learned over the past two years of podcasting. You can sign up by heading over to our website, conqueringcolumbus.com. And while you're there, don't forget to give us a like on Facebook and be sure to subscribe and share Conquering Columbus wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Conquerors, let's get the show on the road. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment and I might get, you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to another episode of Conquering Columbus. Today on the show, we've got Oyama Garrison joining us, and Oyama is the president and CEO at A Kid Again. And for 20-plus years, A Kid Again has helped restore a sense of normal for families that have been thrust into the situation of having to care for a child with a life-threatening illness. And oftentimes, these families are unprepared and unequipped to deal with what follows. A Kid Again hosts year-round events to support these families and provide them with memories that will last a lifetime. And before A Kid Again... Oyama spent time in the insurance industry at places like Allstate and Nationwide. And throughout his career, he's also been a board member at several nonprofits. We're really excited to have him here today to talk about everything he's got going on at A Kid Again. And welcome to Conquering Columbus, Oyama. 
Well, I am excited to be here, and thank you, too, for having me. This is amazing. (laughs) Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Exactly. It's an exciting time of year. I always enjoy starting off the year right, so I appreciate you joining the podcast with us. But one of the first places we kind of like to start is just talk a little bit about how you got to a kid again, all the way back as far as childhood and growing up, up to some of your first roles, college, that sort of thing. Absolutely. So first foremost, again, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity to talk a little bit about the kid again, but then ultimately the career path and sort of the life journey so far that I have been on, which has been one heck of a roller coaster ride and one in which has provided a lot of really unique experiences throughout my uh, journey so far and the most recent being here at a kid again. So I'll go back and I'll, I'll share that. For me, volunteerism is not a, uh, an uncomfortable or abnormal scenario to be in. And all that simply means is that even as a young kid, and I can think all the way back to being in elementary school, believe it or not, where my mother was very much active in the community, uh, helping, whether it was feeding the homeless or going out and providing clothing to those in need, whatever the case may be, and she would take my older sister and I along to participate and to be a part of that process. And it's in those moments that you really aren't quite sure what values are are truly being instilled in you. And then later on, you start to learn that true sort of gift around the community. And so for me, as much as I've always been a business-oriented individual, I knew at a very young age that I wanted to get into some level of financial management or insurance or something along those lines. I, um, I spent time in college, literally figuring out my next level in my next course. And then upon graduating, I actually started my insurance career over at State Farm Insurance. And why do I start the journey there? For a lot of people, when you're thinking about going into the work world, you're usually looking at what's the culture of the organization? Does it fit me? What are their values? What's the work going to look like? Uh, What's the potential for climbing the proverbial corporate ladder? When I actually started at State Farm, I really didn't have all of that in the back of my mind. I was only thinking I would be there for a couple of years because I had a little bit of the entrepreneurial bug. And I ended up being at State Farm for 10 years. (laughs) And uh, it was a great journey. But what it really taught me at that particular company at the time, as much as there was a lot of conversation about being customer centric, they were actually very people centric. And with the people centricity that the organization had, they also encouraged their employees to go out and to volunteer. So I fast forward through all that to say, all the companies that I've worked for, and I've worked for what I call the big three in the property and casualty space, State Farm, Nationwide, and Allstate, they've all had a sense of that corporate social responsibility, that give back. And frankly, I know a number of entrepreneurs who have really developed solid, strong organizations who've also had that as a part of their DNA. Where that comes into play for me is my story kind of takes a little bit of a turn, and that is I became a true corporate charge hard individual. I literally lost myself in the whole process of being a corporate person. I became a workaholic. And in that workaholic environment, I really, everything about my day, everything about my life centered around that next level, that next opportunity, that next ability to to make a difference, to achieve the goals, to achieve the results and so forth. But then I also did some volunteerism on the side. It was sort of like that 
empty hole that you wanted to fill. And for me, that volunteerism started with a local nonprofit organization called the National Black MBA Association. Fast forward, uh, as I changed a few companies, continuing to move around, climb up the proverbial corporate ladder, uh, for those out there listening, you will eventually, if you find yourself in this scenario, you will find yourself literally having to wrestle with what I call the, um, the unconventional balance in life. And I call it unconventional because there really is no true balance. You're going to have to sacrifice something. And I learned early on in my career that if I wanted to get ahead, I was going to have to sacrifice some time. I was going to have to sacrifice um, opportunities in order to get to what I wanted. All of that came crashing down for me. And it came crashing down literally in 2016. And why do I fast forward but pause there? Because life was good. It really was. I was an executive. Things were going well. I was charging hard. Made a few mistakes along the way like anyone else as you're learning. And uh, in the end, I'll never forget, it was May or June of 2016, and my youngest child asked me a question when I was home that weekend. And he said, Dad, how long are you going to be home this weekend? So what do you mean? I'm here all weekend. He said, well, how many hours do we get to spend with you? My youngest son at that time was calculating his quality time with me based on the number of hours available on a weekend. Started to sink in a little bit, but then October the 1st of 2016 happened. And so how I got to a kid again, how I got to where I am today, literally came with what I'll call a life-changing moment. And that is on October the 1st of 2016, my then 14-year-old daughter was a freshman in high school over at Kahana Lincoln High School. And as a cheerleader, went to the game. My wife dropped her off earlier, came back to pick my sons and I up so we can go support our daughter. And when we got back there to the game, freshman football game, my daughter, who was a cheerleader, was sitting off on the side. We weren't thinking too much about it, but went over and asked her, hey, is everything okay? And she said, well, you know, I wasn't feeling too good, so I asked the coach if I could sit this out. Coach said, that's fine. We went up to the uh, stand, sat down, and literally, if you can imagine uh, extending your hand out with an object in the palm of your hand and turning it over and watch it hit the ground, my daughter had got up to go and cheer with the cheerleaders and suddenly collapsed. And so, and now in that ex an entire experience, everybody's rushing over there trying to figure out what's going on. I'll express the story to say that in that moment, she hit her head. My wife went over to check her out. The athletic director came over to check her out, made life-changing decisions at that moment, rushed her down to Nationwide Children's Hospital if anyone out there has kids and have ever had to be in an emergency room, you know how scary of a place that can be when you just really don't know what's going on. We get down to the emergency room, and while we're there, the emergency room goes from two people to three people to eventually 25 people in the room. And in that process of going from two to three, one of the nurses turned to us and said, we're having trouble uh, finding a vein so that we can put an IV in because we're still trying to figure out while your daughter is here, her veins are collapsing, so we need to intubate her. And my wife and I are looking at each other, why do you need to do that? So 
I expressed to say, the room then goes to 25 people. At this moment, head of emergency room is down there. The American Red Cross shows up and the chaplain shows up. And we're trying to figure out why. And so this all is happening, if I can give you a timeline, in the span of about two hours. From two hours, dropping our daughter off, perfectly happy, we go back, she's perfectly healthy, she collapses, now we're down in the emergency room at Nationwide Children's Hospital. The uh, charge nurse walks us off to the uh, CT scan room because they asked to get a CT scan because they wanted to rule out a concussion. And when that happened, by the time we got to the door of the CT scan room, they called and canceled the scan. When they canceled the scan, my wife's motherly intuition kicks in. She goes running back to the uh, emergency room. I'm running in right behind her. As soon as we got there, within seconds, our daughter had coded on the table. So she literally lost her life. No heartbeat, flatline. And my wife is distraught, I'm distraught. She collapses, I'm holding her up in my arms. And I tell you, there's nothing else that matters in the world in that moment when it's your family. And in this case, it was our daughter, our oldest, and it was just heart-wrenching. I will tell you that the team down at Nationwide Children's Hospital is absolutely phenomenal. So somewhere around five to 10 minutes, my daughter went without a heartbeat, but that team did phenomenal work and eventually got her back. And when they got her back, I counted my blessings. Uh, because if by chance I was where I was going to be with my company at that time, it would not have been in Columbus on that day. And I share that to say because I traveled a lot. And in that moment, it became crystal clear to me where my priorities rest. And so when I talk about that unconventional balance and I say, I share that, which is there really is no such thing as true balance and equity, we know that. There's always gonna be something that you're gonna have to sacrifice. And so for the next six months, uh, I should say for the next three weeks, my daughter spent time at Nationwide Children's Hospital, half of that time completely unconscious, not knowing what was going on. Uh, and I will tell you that again, the team is absolutely remarkable down there. We do not till this day have a, uh, a conclusive diagnosis as to why she ended up there. We do know that she went into septic shock. Sepsis has a one out of two survival rate. Um, and so we immediately became advocates in some respects for kids uh, and in a slightly different way. The journey fast forwards there because I actually took time off from the corporate world, spent six months as a stay at home dad, which is one of the toughest jobs out there. And I will tell you that during that period in time is when I started to plant the seeds. And that's when I wanted to start exploring things that would get me closer to achieving some level of that unconventional balance but what will allow me to make a more meaningful difference with the skill sets that I have and the gifts that I have. And eventually that led me to a kid again. So I got a call about the organization, about the phenomenal work that they do, and truly how it aligned with me, my family, my skill sets, my experiences, and what the organization wanted to achieve. And that is a kid again, folks fosters hope, happiness, and healing, for kids who are facing some level of a life-threatening illness. And currently we serve somewhere in a neighborhood of about 3,000 kids on annual. 
These kids range from having cancer to could be an acute form of sickle cell, you name it. What's beautiful about this organization is that it's not just a one-time opportunity to participate in something phenomenal. This is ongoing. So in Central Ohio, once a month. In our other chapters, once every other month, they have an opportunity, these kids have an opportunity to participate in what we call adventures. And in these adventures, they're ongoing for as long as that kid is in our program, which can be years upon years upon years. And what's also beautiful about our program, it includes the siblings. So unlike most other programs out there, we focus on the entire family. And when we have these adventures, we get that family together with other families. So we can have an adventure that has as little as 40 people or as many as 4,000 people when we take them to places like Kings Island. And therein lies what we call the true therapeutic recreational relief. So for me, the business side of this is the organization wants to expand. They've operated in Ohio for about 22 to 23 years. And I am proud to say uh, when I joined the organization back September of 2017, in 2018, we just opened up our new chapter in Indiana. And we're already seeing great progress, great partnerships with the Pacers, with the Colts, with so many great institutions that are out there in the Indianapolis and the Indiana market. Uh, we have a growing base of families. It's one of our fastest growing chapters in the history of our organization. And I just couldn't be more proud of the fact that we have an opportunity to wake up every day knowing that we get to do good, service more kids, service more families, and continue to put a smile on their face. Well, that's a tremendous story, and that's a lot. That's a crazy journey to go through. Yeah, um, we really appreciate you sharing that. There's, there's a lot uh, to unpack, too. I mean, I'm curious about a lot of things you guys have going on today with the kid again, but then did, before we jump too much into that, your mindset when you were trying to climb the career and then that happened to your daughter, as a young professional trying, and a lot of our listeners are young professionals trying to grow their careers, you become, uh, which I'm sure you were infatuated with reaching that next level like you mentioned. So when you stepped back, like how did you manage to balance between, I want to be successful to make my family and children proud and provide for them, but yet I understand what's most important now, and then where do I, where do I draw the border between that? Yeah, you know, Early in my career, I want to say it was probably right around when I was 26 or 27, I'll never forget there was a senior manager at State Farm who said to me, so if you happen to become senior vice president or president by the time you're age 30, then what? What's the next big goal from there? And it kind of hit me a little bit, but it was one in which I saw SVP, senior vice president, president titles being way down the line for me. Uh, but his point was, you can fight aggressively to get there and get the title, but is the title really what it's all about? Because at the end game is, I can give you a title, but what's the impact and what's the difference you're gonna make? How are you gonna impact the organization positively? What impact is that gonna have on the quality of your life? And frankly, the higher up you go in most organizations, what you do find is that you will spend a little less time with your immediate loved ones. And for some, that's a-okay. We, on the other hand, decided that we wanted to have a family. And so when we made that conscious decision, it also meant we were gonna have to sacrifice. 
So in my sacrifice very early on, which sometimes I do share, depends on when it's asked, and so it's a great question, I actually sacrificed getting promoted very early on in my career because promotions then required me to move, and we were not mobile. We were a young family with a fresh baby and you know, just starting a new entrepreneurial business for my wife, and so we ended up taking root. And once you do that, in some markets, it could limit your possibilities with a specific company. And you need to know that. And you need to become comfortable with that, or you need to be terribly uncomfortable with that and start figuring out your next steps. It just so happened for me as I was going through that journey that I had a great network in place. And with that network, I was able to start exploring other options. And before I even really started to dip my toe in the water, they were actually coming and asking me to join their organization. But why? Why were they asking? Because I got out there and I was networking. I was making friends. I was volunteering in the community and people saw me as a voice. And from there, it became, in, in essence, I was the CEO of me. <laughs> and so I earned my CEO title very early on in my career just by saying, I'm the CEO of me. So I stopped looking at the title and started looking more at the responsibility. And then I started to look more at how this would weigh on my family. And then somewhere in my mid to late 30s, I lost sight of that. And so it sounds like when it comes to prioritization, you kind of always had in the back of your mind that family was really important. Yes. And and that event with your daughter obviously just brings it full circle, just hits you. Um, uh, what I'm curious about is in those six months where you're stay-at-home dad, it's got to be tough. It's got to be really hard, like you mentioned, to go through all that and continue to support everybody the way that you need to. What was your mindset like? How did you maintain the ship? Well, Mike, I got to tell you, it took me about a good six to eight weeks to really decompress because <laughs> mm -hmm. I was still getting up at my normal time. I felt, still felt like I needed to do something. And so I was constantly out meeting people, all those kinds of things. But I'll tell you that I then started to shift. And a part of the shift was preparing meals for my kids, picking them up, all those kinds of things uh, that stay-at-home parents do. And I got to tell you, when I say it's tough, I hats off to any stay-at-home parent because there is a lot of organization that comes into that and a lot of dependability that comes with that. And so during that period in time, I also felt like I also needed to create a little bit more of my own identity within the business world because I didn't really want to lose sight of that. So I started to poke around a bit and explore a few entrepreneurial opportunities that I could do on the side. Uh, and many of them were going really well, and so it was fun to do and to be able to engage my kids in it. Uh, but then I got the itch again, <laughs> and I wanted to get back into the corporate world uh, because that's where I really felt like my DNA was best suited. And so I did. After some time, after some much uh, thoughtful sort of prayer and deliberation, I ended up going back to work for a company called the Jacobson Group out of Chicago. And uh, they are what I call the air traffic control, which is they specialize in all the staffing at the senior most level, the board level, and other functions uh, for the insurance industry. So it was very eye-opening to me. They gave me a ton of flexibility. And so now it became a little less of the need for me to be in the office 
surrounded by four walls and, and a door, more or less, it gave me the opportunity that I could be anywhere as long as we're getting the work done. And so I absolutely appreciated that. But that was a little bit of the slice of life for me. But I got to tell you that if it wasn't for my son and if it wasn't for my daughter and really for what happened on October the 1st, I would probably still be in the corporate world, probably still charging hard. And I would have likely sacrificed more of my quality time with my family and not knowing it. You mentioned there about your DNA, and you've obviously, um, I'm, sh I'm sure you wouldn't come out and say you seem like a very humble person, but you, you've been tremendously successful up to this point in your life. What do you think it is about your DNA that everything that you've jumped into, you've been able to achieve such levels of success? Has it been, you know, your focus on the initiatives, or is there anything that sticks out to you in particular? You know, a part of it is anytime you subscribe to an endeavor, whether you want to be the leader for a nonprofit organization, whether you want to be the one that's the lead on a specific project that's going to help your organization or your company excel, uh, whether it's you wanting to lead for the local chapter of whatever that organization happens to be, you got to be committed. And there are three words that I live by uh, that have been ingrained in me since high school, and it's called our sort of our model to some degree, and that's dedication, determination, and dependability. And so when I think about the three Ds in my life, everything that I've ever done, I try to center it around that, that dedication, that determination, that the dependability. And I'll never forget my former principal, Dr. Um, Gladden, used to say, and it stuck with so many of us as students, which is the true judge of your character is not what's done in the light, but what you do in the dark, right? And so all that simply means is if you're gonna be a person of your word, live into it, give everything 100%, and when you don't know, just say you don't know because that's how we grow, that's how we learn. And so that's been a part of my journey so far. Again, I call it the three Ds, dedication, determination, and dependability. It has grounded me and it's been a part of my energizer. But there is one other underlying current in all of this. I was a product of a, um, of a single parent household. So I have an older sister and we would watch my mother struggle. We would watch her go to school at night to earn her bachelor's degree. She had to get her GED first, and then she got her bachelor's degree. Then we watched her get her master's degree twice and fell short of getting a PhD only because she had two knucklehead kids. And so she had to balance her time a little bit. And so all that means is we watched her raise two kids. We were part of that life journey with her and she set the tone. She literally set the tone for achievement, for education, um, lack of dependability. I share, I still have till this day in 1987 my mom was probably receiving government assistance for a good maybe seven, eight years. And 1987, I have the very last food coupon she ever received, and I have it as a memento, and I've shown my kids, this is where we've come from. Anything in life can be achieved. It's completely up to you to decide, are you going to go for it? That's it. There's nothing that can get in your way except for you. I came from nothing. 
literally, to where I am today. And when I go out and I talk to young kids and I hear and I understand that they may have some challenges or difficulties at home, when I talk to young professionals who say, well, I didn't have the opportunities that some of my peers have received. Well, guess what? So have so many others that have not had those lucky breaks and those lucky opportunities. Well, this is where you got to make one because it's not going to get handed to you. No one's going around just handing out, you know, million dollar bank accounts. No one's going around and handing out, you know, Lamborghinis. No one's going around and handing out, you know, major career progression opportunities. They're watching you to see what can you do to get to that level because you've got to earn it. And if you aren't in a position to earn it, you got to build it and develop it. And that's where I tip my hat to entrepreneurs because they get out there and they build and develop it. So we fast forward today to with a kid again, and you talked about the adventures. Um, how does a kid eventually get involved with the kidding? How do you seek out the participants, the people who are involved with the organization? You know, the great thing about this organization is we have done literally through a grassroots effort, we have engaged a number of families via Nationwide Children's Hospital as a referral system here in Central Ohio. Uh, and in all of our other markets, the children's hospitals tend to be the primary source of referral outside of our families. Once our families get involved, they become our number one advocates because they absolutely enjoy the organization. Anyone who has a kid or know of a kid who is facing some level of a life-threatening illness does not mean that it has to be terminal. And I clarify that to say because in today's environment, there's so much in terms of advances in technology and healthcare that kids are able to fight these conditions and live a lot longer. And some of them beat the odds. So we only ask for two things. The kid must be under the age of 20 and must be diagnosed with some level of a life-threatening illness, and that's done by their physician. They can go online at www.akidagain.org to sign up. They can sign up through one of the social workers or the referral programs over at the local children's hospital. Uh, but there's a number of great ways that they can get involved. And once they get involved, I tell you, we have had nine out of 10 of our families have provided us with feedback on how beneficial and how helpful this organization has been to their kids. And they have said it, you have given our child hope because in the end, Without you, here's what happens. Our kid will have to go into the hospital for their chemo treatment. And usually they fight because it's not a pleasant experience. And then they don't have anything to look forward to after that experience. It's a downer for some. But when they go in and they know that in about three weeks, they get an opportunity to go to Magic Mountain with the kid again, or in about two weeks, they're going to go to Kings Island. The families have told us that the kids fight. It's the anticipation. It's the anticipation of what's to come that keeps them going. Mm -hmm. And then the participation. You know, I share with people, um, there's this thing called failure to thrive. We see this often with some of our more tenured and seasoned, the elderly. And they may end up in hospice, and you find out later on that they have passed on. And in some cases, they are diagnosed with a true condition called failure to thrive. And that just simply means they've given up. And what I ask people is, what do you think about kids who are facing a life-threatening illness? Do you think sometimes they get diagnosed with that? Most think 
no, there's no way. Well, yes. Yes, actually there are. There are some kids who do because they lose that sense of hope. A kid again provides that hope. We provide that happiness. We provide that healing opportunity for them. It, it sounds a lot like that goal on the horizon, right? That thing that you're looking forward to in life. And you mentioned when you get older, a lot of times you lose that. That really, I've never heard the term failure to thrive, but it really strikes me as something that kind of rings true. Um, but jumping into, speaking of goals, jumping into your goals and your team's goals for 2019, it is the beginning of the year. What do you see on the horizon maybe for this year for, for your team at a kid again and maybe the next 510? Yeah, so what we're trying to do this year is we want to continue to enhance the experiences for our families. We also want to grow our base here in Central Ohio and certainly in our other markets. We partner with a research institute over at Nationwide Children's Hospital. We've come to learn that at a very minimum, and I say a minimum because we only looked at six diagnoses with respect to life-threatening illnesses or conditions, there's a minimum base of about 9,000 kids living somewhere in about a 50 to 75 mile radius of Central Ohio that are facing something. 9,000. We had a kid again service just under 1,000 in this market. So that gives us great opportunity uh, in Central Ohio. We're also going to be looking at growth for our organization. So we've already started to partner and work with a great consulting team from Nationwide Insurance. Uh, and some other companies that have lent some expertise, including some students over at The Ohio State University have done a little bit of research for us. And we have identified, I will call it, the next 12 to 24 markets that our organization can literally thrive in. We're talking sustainable growth in those markets. And so with the data that we have and the research that we have, we've already started charting the journey and a path of expanding into a few more states over the course of the next couple of years. And then you talked about being sustainable. How does that look from you guys from a funding perspective, especially entering new markets? Are you establishing relationships with the, the larger companies that are within that area, or how does that work for you guys? So that's a great question, Josh. What we typically do is we have a pretty solid core and base with our national board members, as well as when we start to go into the markets, uh, oftentimes the companies that are represented on our board will have offices in those markets. And so it gives us an opportunity to develop a volunteer base as well as a philanthropic base. We are truly fortunate here in Central Ohio to have the seventh ranked uh, largest foundation in the world, and that is the Columbus Foundation a truly remarkable resource here in our community. And so as we look at where we're going in these new markets, some of them have similar foundations. And when we can go in and leverage what we already have at the Columbus Foundation, you would be amazed at how quickly the doors will open up uh, and say, let's discuss your benefits of your organization. I also got to share that we just have some remarkable, remarkable supporters of the organization, all walks of life, from volunteers to, um, you know, mothers, fathers, uh, entrepreneurs, business owners, C-suite members, you name it, who have been connected to the organization for some time. And as we start to talk about some of the markets that we're going into, they already start mapping out who we need to talk to, why we need to talk with them and we then start that fund development journey. 
So as we go into these new markets, we actually have a couple of partners we're having conversations with now that um, will likely help us as we start to plant in these markets. Is there anything else about the organization that our listeners should know to help them get involved or that you'd like to get out there that maybe people don't know already? Yeah, you know, the reality is, is we cannot do this work without volunteers. We are very dependent on getting individuals who want to roll up their sleeves and come out and participate. We have a great base of young professionals who have been with us. Uh, we have a great base that's in the corporate environment. Uh, and then certainly the general community that loves to come out and support. I also ask, when we think about how to support the organization, yes, there truly is that financial resource as well. For our families, everything that we put on for them is absolutely free. We do a holiday party, we give them toys, uh, we send them off to Kings Island, all these types of events completely free to the families. Why? Why do we do it this way? I'll share with you. When my wife and I were going through the experience with our daughter, if I asked you to guess how much the medical bills came to, what would you say? Quarter million? I was going to say probably, is it somewhere in the 100,000s range? 1.5 million. <laughs> For six months, 1.5 million. The average medical cost, claims cost, for families who are caring for a child that has a life-threatening condition is four hundred dollars to $600,000 a year. A year. Now think about this. If someone has to care for the child, that also means someone probably has to step out of a corporate role whenever there are two parents in the household. And let's face it, about there's, there's a fair percentage of our families, it's a single parent household as well. So when someone has to step out, that also means what happens? Your income has just now taken a little bit of a dip, the total gross household income. So now it becomes a decision of, do we go to the movies? Do we go to Magic Mountain? Do we go to an OSU game? Or do we pay the bill? That's why we do what we do. We provide this opportunity because it's relief. It is true therapeutic relief for these families. There's no greater good than the ability to help them literally give their illness a timeout. On average, on average, to send one child on these adventures is roughly about $35. We say roughly because we like to take care of all their expenses for them. So if at $35, just imagine if you were to make that donation for $35 to a kid again, or for $100, or for $250, whatever that amount happens to be, therein lies the impact that you will see, which is that's the number of kids you're now helping by putting a smile on their face, helping their parents have a little less pressure in their life, bringing the entire family unit together to have some fun and just for a moment feel normal and give that illness a timeout. I know, Yama, we really appreciate you joining us today. You can really feel the passion ringing through in your voice and about what you're doing. So, uh, again, thanks a lot for joining us. I think this is a good place to kind of pivot towards one of our last questions of the show. It's centered around the theme here on Conquering Columbus, which is live uncomfortably. And without telling you too much why we chose that one, uh, what do you think about when you hear the phrase and how does it apply to your life? 
You know, there's a, uh, when I hear that phrase, it just makes it ring true, which is you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, plain and simple. You just have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, as a business-minded individual, we all know that success is not given to us. You have to go out there and you have to fight for it. And in some cases, you have to claw your way there in order to achieve the level of success that you want or for your organization or for your company, if you're an entrepreneur or whatever the case may be. Uh, so when I think about that, that simply means, again, you're going to have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, being in environments that may not necessarily always gel with you um, or learning new things. Or it could just simply mean that you're going to find that you're going to have to sacrifice. And I keep coming back to that because everyone I've ever talked to, I've always left them with a very simple equation. Uh, and in particular, I think it rings true. And that is R plus R equals O. So the first R is relationships. It always comes down to who you know, how well you know them. And we know that in this business world, if you're applying to a company, they're likely getting a thousand resumes. But who do you know that's going to help your resume rise to the top? And then there's this thing called results. Because as much as you might be well-liked and well-networked, you still have to deliver. And we all know people out there who do a great job at networking, but when it comes to the results, sometimes there's a little bit of, a, of an uncomfortable situation that can exist. Uh, but that R plus R, when that is achieved, will, will absolutely equal your opportunity. But then there's an undercurrent to all of that, and that is the sacrifice. So you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and knowing that there's going to be some sacrifice along the way. Well, that's a great answer. And again, thanks a lot for joining us today. We really appreciate you taking the time to tell your story. Thank you. Yeah, and Conquerors, thanks for tuning in. That's Oyama Garrison of A Kid Again. And if you guys want to check out their site, learn more about them, donate, help support, all their links will be down in the show notes. Go check them out. Uh, again, thanks for tuning in. Hope you guys learned a lot, and we'll talk to you next week. Hey, Conquerors, that's it for the episode today. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode and learned a lot. If you did, make sure to leave a like. Share us on Facebook with your friends. We really appreciate all your support. And every time you share our podcast or leave a review on iTunes, it really does help us out. Before we let you go, we want to take one last moment to thank all of our incredible sponsors here. And that's going to start with FMX. FMX is a cloud-based facilities maintenance and management software founded and headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio. There's a lot of competitors in this space, but FMX has made a name for itself become the fastest-growing facilities maintenance and management software on the market on behalf of its extreme ease of use and tailored-fit approach to its clients. They serve industries ranging from education to property management, manufacturing, fast casual, and more. If you want to check out more, you can go to gofmx.com. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit helping connect entrepreneurs to everything they need, including investors, mentors, capital, and talent through business pitch events, workshops, and classes throughout the state. And you can get more information on the web at sundownrundown.org. And our next sponsor is Share. For the rides that you take the most, ride with Share. Share is a new transportation company now driving Columbus. Schedule your ride and Share picks you up at your door with professional drivers 
and a growing fleet of connected vehicles. Share is now hiring with entry-level management positions available. You can learn more about careers with Share at drivewithshare.com. Finally, if you've ever wondered what it takes to start your own podcast, we're here to help. We're putting together a podcast startup package with our recommendations and some of the key lessons we learned over the past two years of podcasting. You can sign up by heading over to our website, conqueringcolumbus.com. And while you're there, don't forget to give us a like on Facebook and be sure to subscribe and share Conquering Columbus wherever you get your podcasts. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment and I might get you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus.